0: And I really look forward to seeing you there. That web address one last time slash AMA. Support for this podcast comes from Appcast, a leading provider of recruitment advertising technology and managed services. Appcast helps more than 1,500 companies find more qualified candidates using advanced programmatic technology and data driven analytics. With AppCast, you'll effortlessly attract the right talent to your open jobs, helping you save time and money. Find out more about AppCast at appcast.io. That's appcast.io. There's been more of scientific discovery, more of technical advancement and material progress in your lifetime and mine, than in all the ages of history. Everyone, this is Matt Alder. Welcome to episode three hundred and twelve of the Recruiting Future podcast. In my opinion, one of the most significant changes we're likely to see in talent acquisition next year is the rethinking of recruitment marketing. Programmatic advertising, career site systems, and a sophisticated foundation of data and analytics are all going to be part of this change. So what should talent acquisition leaders be considering in their recruitment marketing strategies? And what changes in talent markets is the marketing data currently showing us? My guest this week is Chris Foreman, CEO of AppCast. AppCast have access to a huge dataset that gives them a unique view of global recruitment marketing efficacy. And Chris has some incredibly valuable insights to share. Hi, Chris, and welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Matt. How are you? I'm pretty good, thank you. An absolute pleasure to have you on this show. Could you just introduce yourself and tell everyone what you do? Sure. Uh,
1: my name is Chris Foreman. I'm the founder and CEO of AppCast. Um, AppCast is a US-based company, uh, but with uh, oh. operations around the globe. Um, and we build programmatic job ad technology software that helps uh, big companies uh, buy and optimize performance job ads more effectively and efficiently. Um, I've been doing uh, recruitment technology for about 20 years. Um, I'm uh, structurally unemployable, so I have to kind of now start companies um, (laughs) so that I have a job. Um, And AppCast is my, uh, my fourth
0: recruitment technology company. Fantastic stuff. But before we get too far into the conversation, I'm just thinking it might be good just if you could give everyone a quick explanation as to what programmatic advertising is, because I know that there is still a lot of people who don't quite understand the concept.
1: Oh, 100%. And, and not only is, uh, is it uh, some people don't understand the concept, it's kind of a warshot test. It, it, like you can have a bunch of people understand it um, through one lens and and kind of see the picture um, and interpret it differently. So, um, understanding that this is a bit of a term of art, uh, this is my definition, and it's really straightforward. Um, so, programmatic is a catch-all uh, advertising technology term that you know fundamentally talks about the use of software and data to optimize ads. This isn't specific to jobs. In fact, um, uh, the the Programmatic uh, ad revolution kind of came to consumer and B2B ads um, in search and social, display, video, well before it came to job ads. And there's lots of different flavors of programmatic technology outside of the job space. Um, Inside the job space, uh, it it pretty much is is focused on the use of web-based software um, to buy um, and place Pay for performance job ads um, in the pay for performance job ad ecosystems around the globe. So, pay for performance is rather than paying for a, a job ad that goes up for 30 days and it's just like a flat rate, you know, kind of uh, the traditional job posting, uh, you pay uh, whenever somebody looks at your job ad. Um, so that's oftentimes called cost per click. When somebody clicks on a job ad, um, you, you, you pay uh, you know, a, a few pennies. Um, that's the model that, that Indeed has popularized and Indeed is you know, the largest um, you know, job site globally. So that's kind of a big deal. Um, there's other models of, of pay for performance job ads. You can pay per application. Um, in some cases, you can even pay per quality application. Um, and there's a whole bunch of stuff in between. But fundamentally, it's the use of third-party software uh, to buy and place ads on job sites um, where you are paying for an outcome rather than for a duration.
0: Now, the work that you do means that you have access to a lot of data about what's going on in the market. How are you seeing the talent markets change, sort of through the course of twenty twenty? Yeah.
1: Oh, it's a it's a it's a great question, Matt. Um, and I am an absolute data nerd, so um, let's just talk a little bit about the data set that we have at Appcast, and then I can talk about the 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 kind of macro trends that I'm seeing. So um, Appcast has been around since uh, twenty fourteen, um, and you know, in that time. Um, you know, about $700 million worth of job advertising um, has flowed through our system. We've bought or optimized seven and a half billion job ad clicks and um, and generated over 1.2 billion job applications. So we're talking about a big data set. Um, the vast majority of that is in the United States and Canada. So um, it's, it's, it's fairly focused in North America. And um, the, the platform itself is agnostic, like it works if you want to hire doctors, it works if you want to hire software developers, it works if you want to hire warehouse, uh, you know, kind of workers or truck drivers. And so it's broad based. Um, it is across, you know, almost every type of applicant tracking system that is commercially available in North America. Um, it's across every function in every geography. So it's a it's a really fantastic data set. In fact, it's been used by uh, professors at Harvard Business School and uh, Cornell to to actually kind of analyze macro trends in employment in the United States. So, uh, we've got a, we've got a data analytics group here at Appcast. And, and so we're always kind of looking at what, what the data tells us. And one of the things that we found is there's been a transformation in, you know, what I call the front in the war for talent. So, like, if you go back to you know that that seminal McKinsey you know kind of white paper that was published in 1997 called "The War for Talent," that I think every you know uh, executive at a major company in the last 20 years has read. Um, you know, and, and ironically, that was the year that I, I joined the industry. Um, you know, the the focus of, of that McKinsey white paper was talking about the the, the critical need for organizations to find. Uh, recruit and retain um, specialized and high-performing talent, and so you know, in in the technology space, you know that the conventional wisdom: software developers, you know, clearly high-performing salespeople, um, uh, I- I executives that know how to make things happen, um, were the 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 kind of focus of, of that article. But if you fast forward to today, um, what's super interesting? is that um, the marketplaces, the job ad marketplaces in the United States are now telling us that a, um, uh, a, a different type of talent is most in demand, and that is the e-commerce supply chain. So over the course of 2020, you know, clearly impacted by COVID, you've started to see that what people are willing to pay for a a technologist or a software developer in um, Chicago, San Francisco, Austin, New York, and Boston are being eclipsed by what um, organizations are willing to pay for warehouse workers in you know I'm I'm this is metaphorically I'm making this up Peoria, Topeka, um, you know the 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 giant fulfillment centers that are at the 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 crossroads of two major um, highways. Or delivery drivers that drive um, the last mile to get boxes to our homes. Um, in fact, uh, if you if you take a look at the data, right now the, the um, a click for technologists in those areas I talked about is anywhere from like forty cents to three dollars, um, which is is pretty robust. But for warehouse workers, um, where you've seen a 300% increase in jobs available for warehouse workers, you've also seen a 40% decrease in supply for those jobs because a lot of people are kind of opting out of of working in those environments due to COVID. There's also a great deal of competition for these folks. You're seeing job ad prices on the low end being a dollar, okay, compared to $0.40, and on the high end, up to over $10. So... That's a pretty remarkable shift um, and, and one that um, I think is just speaking to, to the reality of, of and, and kind of the irony of, of e-commerce is it's powered by technology. But still, um, until the, the 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 coming wave of robots that I'm sure at some point are going to show up, uh, we still need people uh, to make it work.
0: That's really interesting. And Is that a pattern you're seeing in other countries all over the world?
1: Yeah, 100%. The, the issue is it's difficult for me to say it as definitively um, as as I can in North America and Canada and the United States just because of the size of the data set. But um, if we were to look at the data sets that we have in EMEA, um, or in APAC, uh, they they are following similar trends. Um, I just don't have enough data to prove it.
0: So I wanted to ask you about sophistication in recruitment marketing because as as more sort of technology becomes available, the way that that we can do recruitment marketing and recruitment marketing strategies obviously needs to change accordingly. What are you seeing in recruitment marketing at the moment? What's important? What's working?
1: Yeah. So, um, you know, for, for your listeners, I, I, I don't know if they're going to love what I have to say because it's not going to be, you know, like some whiz bang, um, you know, piece of tech out there that all of a sudden is the silver bullet that solves all, you know, recruiting problems for everyone. What I'm seeing is, is kind of actually return to some basics. Um, and, and, and the primary trends that I'm seeing is if you, if you go back to the first thing that I said is, is that in certain, um, you know, high volume recruiting markets, we're starting to see the price paid for, to acquire a job seeker eyeball, you know, somebody that's on your career site, engaging with your job content is, is increasing materially. Okay. So if you just, whether you agree with that fact or not, if you just take it as a fact, you know, we'll, we'll build the, the, the logic tree from there. So, uh, Job seeker uh, marketing is becoming more expensive. Companies cannot hire a click onto their career site. So somebody finding the job, clicking on it, going to the career site does not an employee make. What an employee makes is an application. You need somebody to throw their hat in the ring. And so what organizations are finding is that um, to, to, again, borrow from outside of the job space um, in the more kind of B2C world um, is there's a massive amount of, of shopping cart abandonment in in the recruitment space. Um, only about 7% of people that um, get to the, uh, the beginning of an online uh, job application make it to the end of it. And, you know, if that uh, percentage held true for uh, the e-commerce giants that exist in the world right now, um, uh, Jeff Bezos would be worth a lot less money. Okay, so um, what's the difference between Amazon's checkout and the checkout that most people have on uh, their their job application site is candidly not the tech. Everyone loves to hate their applicant tracking system, and I feel bad for my friends that, you know, uh, build great applicant tracking technology. And and you know, uh, a lot of people, you know, say, ah, oh, it's junky, it doesn't work, it it's it's bad for job seekers. Actually, the worst thing for job the, the worst thing for job seekers is the number of questions that recruiting organizations put into their applicant tracking system. So we've did an, did an analysis at Appcast that uh, looked at conversion rate from the time somebody clicks on a job ad to the um, to what percentage of those clicks actually complete an application. And if you have an online application that takes less than five minutes to complete, and typically that's a function of less than 15 questions, uh, you get 385% more applications than if you have one that takes more than 15 minutes to complete. And so just think about that for a second. That's across all applicant tracking systems, across all devices in general. And so, yes, there are some applicant tracking systems that are way better at at getting a job seeker to kind of throw their hat into the ring. But the number one, you know, kind of signal of, of, of recruitment marketing success, in my opinion, for an organization is how long their job application is. And a lot of organizations have these massive applications because when oftentimes they've been built by a committee um, who has uh, a couple of countervailing um, interests uh, compared to creating a good recruitment marketing process. The first one is HR wants to get all the information that they need to complete the hire file. And number two is there's some folks that want to um, candidly prevent some people from applying. They want to get rid of quote-unquote unqualified applicants. And I would argue that neither of those are are, are, are great ideas. Um, first off, if... Um, HR, I think, shouldn't necessarily have a seat at the table when it comes to what questions are asked at the initial online application. You can always have somebody that ha- gets a green light from a hiring manager go back and fill out all the information that you need for the background check or for their employee file. You don't necessarily need to do that uh, up front, um, if in fact the cost of that is is getting fewer applicants. And then the second part is, Why make an application super long um, to to dissuade people from applying so that you only get people that are really interested in applying? I think that's completely backwards um, because the best talent won't put up with it, right? They're just going to be like, ah, this is too hard. Somebody else is going to hire me because I'm great. And and they're just going to abandon the process. Software is really good at sorting through information really efficiently. What's the cost of having more people apply for your jobs? And so, you know, I think that one of the things I'm seeing is as the cost per click goes up, more and more organizations are kind of getting back to basics and saying, huh. Let's uh, let's not look at some whiz bang software or you know kind of this new razzle dazzle marketing approach. Let's just make sure we've got the basics right and make sure that we don't have a massive candidate abandonment problem with our online
0: application. You mentioned seven percent as a as a figure there. So based on the data you're seeing, what 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 is achievable? What does good look like in terms of converting interest into an apply?
1: Yeah. So so when. Um, <clears throat> When companies use uh, a short form, uh, you know, typically, let's say for a white collar job, that would be, you know, contact information, resume, and, and let's say two to four knockout questions, some, something simple. Uh, you can have, uh, you know, 20 to 25% uh, application conversion rates. Um, if, in fact, an organization uses um, a native apply assisted technology and w- w- what I mean by native apply is um indeed as I mean that's called like apply with indeed and so uh, that allows job seekers to use a button to pre-populate an application form with information that they that that they have held on indeed and indeed not the only one zip's got it LinkedIn has it, um, you know, Stepstone has it. I mean, every major, you know, job site in the world has some of this native apply technology. With those, you can actually get up to 30, 35 percent.
0: Fascinating stuff, and it's always really interesting to to hear the data round something that I've been talking about for years. That a bad candidate experience, something that takes a really long time to do, is not an effective talent filter. Because, as you say, you know, the, the the very best people just have choices and don't have time to to interface with that with that type of process. And I suppose that takes me on to my next question, because one of the the, the biggest aspects of recruitment marketing. And, and career sites that does influence who applies and who doesn't apply is content. How do you see content developing and content strategies developing?
1: Yeah, so, so, so there's, a, there's a couple things. Um, there's, there's two ways I want to kind of talk about answering this. Number one is, uh, going back to basics, language matters you know I, I remember you know um i had this incredible professor um at uh, where i went to university at this little school in maine called colby college um and uh cedric bryant so um cedric used to play uh, basketball for ucla he's like 6'10 um you know went i think memory serves uh got his phd at oxford um and he was uh, my freshman composition teacher and um you know it, it, he always just to beat into us you know words matter so again looking at our data set um one of the things that we found is um diversity and inclusion are kind of a hot topic right now and so we boiled the ocean and we looked at the role that having a gender neutral language in your um in your uh, job ads what that has compared when you use a gendered pronoun like you say, you know he or she, um, you know, in a job ad. The result is seventy percent more applies if you use gender neutral language. What the data like clearly says um, uh, is that it uh, is more inclusive. And ensures that, um, you know, people are feel comfortable throwing their hat in. Now you're probably saying, you know, who puts she or he in a, in a job ad? Well, about 30% of job ads have one of those words or or a similar word in it. So it's a, you know, it's kind of a, a, a simple thing, but in terms of, uh, you know, kind of getting people to, to throw their hat into the ring, that's, that's, that's one way to communicate with them. The other way is, um, Uh, You know, to, again, go against what I've just been talking about, which is I don't have a silver bullet or new pieces of technology that can kind of make things better. There are there are a couple things that are out in the market right now that I just think are super razzle dazzle and neat and I believe can can help. Um, One of them is uh, some technology that has finally brought video um, to. Uh, To recruitment in an authentic way that I believe is impactful. Um, So historically, when, um, you know, uh, recruiting organizations have a recruiting video, it's an expensive thing, you hire an ad agency, you got a lot of people coming in, you have employees that, you know, kind of talk on camera, and it's pretty canned. That's not that's not how people. That's not authentic video these days, right? I mean, um, I, I'm not a social media guy, um, so I have to live vicariously through my children um, and TikTok and Instagram and whatever Facebook and all the videos that are there are are, you know, user generated, authentic, and they're quick. And, uh, there's a couple companies out there now. One of them, uh, Altru Labs is super neat out of the United States. Um, and, uh, they, uh, have created a platform that gives recruiting organizations the ability to have employees in their organization create really quick, authentic videos, um, based on prompts so that, that, in, um, that content can be used to support job ads and, and support the career site. Really awesome, neat thing to do. The other thing is there's technology out there now, um, like uh, it's been popularized, I mean, by uh, like Paradox.ai out of the United States. Um, Sonic Jobs in the UK has something similar that uh, uses an interesting ATS integration technology that in essence allows um, uh, job seekers to apply via text so it's a text chat bot that reads, reads the online application and starts feeding questions to job seekers so that they can answer those questions, um, you know, via text, um, and in line. And it's just another way to kind of keep it inclusive and to allow people to interact with your employment brand in an authentic way.
0: So, final question. I think one of the things that twenty twenty has showed us is that making predictions about the future is often futile. But I'm going to kind of ask you anyway because I'm interested to get your perspective. What do you see happening in talent acquisition in the next sort of twelve to eighteen months?
1: Well, I think that uh, we've gotten some good news in the last week or so about the efficacy of of you know COVID nineteen you know vaccine. Um, What that um, means to me is that uh, we, sadly, a lot more people are going to die and a lot more people are going to get sick in the short run, but in the medium term, um, you know, we may be seeing the light at the end of the tunnel and the light is not an oncoming train. I believe that that is going to um, unleash a tremendous amount of economic activity and economic uh, and recruiting always follows economic activity. I also believe that you're going to see stimulus, um, you know, kind of macro level stimulus from the developed economies over the next two to three months to kind of keep um, the economies that are being faced with shutdowns, you know, continuing to operate. That also, I believe, is going to have a positive impact on on at least large organizational hiring. So I think that we are looking at um, an environment that is... Uh, going to involve a lot of people getting hired over the next 12 to 24 months within that context. Um, I think that, uh, you know, the pandemic has had, uh, a lot of, of negative impacts on, on organizations and on bottom lines. So we're going to be in the classic catch 22 that a lot of talent acquisition professionals know, which is we need a lot of people and you have no money. (laughs) So, um, that always uh, constraint drives innovation. Um, you know, I think that's an entrepreneur's creed, right? And so um, I think we're going to be in an environment of, of constraint, and that's going to force people to start to do the things that we've talked about here, evaluate the stuff that doesn't cost you any money to fix, like your application process, like the language in, in your job ads. I also think that it's going to drive people to, to, to think more um critically about how they do spend the money that they spend. Um, and at the risk of sounding somewhat commercial, um, the use of programmatic technology is exploding right now, just exploding. Like, um, you know, we're super lucky, um, as an organization, we continue to grow even in this tough environment. And the reason being is, um, when organizations use programmatic technologies to buy and optimize their job ads, they, uh, their return on investment goes through the roof. And what that means is they get more for the same amount of money or they can spend less to get the same amount of outcome. And both of those things are good in a constraint environment. So I guess at a particular level, what I'm going to see is a continued, on the recruitment marketing side, the continuation of this secular shift away from
0: people-driven ad buying to software-driven ad buying. Chris, thank you very much for talking to me.
1: Thank you, Matt. Have a great one.
0: My thanks to Chris Foreman. You can subscribe to this podcast in Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, or via your podcasting app of choice. Please also follow us on Instagram. You can find the show by searching for Recruiting Future. You can search through all the past episodes at recruitingfuture.com. On that site, you can also subscribe to the mailing list to get the inside track about everything that's coming up on the show. Thanks very much for listening. I'll be back next time, and I hope you'll join me.
1: This is my show.